June is Pride Month, a month where we honor and celebrate those in the LGBTQ community, a community that has experienced its fair share of discrimination and challenges in several aspects of life, even in the world of education. Part of going off to college is the social acceptance piece, and some students who may identify as LGBTQ may be fearful of coming out at a college campus or may struggle with coming to terms with their identity, especially given the climate or the location of their college campus. Today you'll hear from two students who identify as both members of the LGBTQ community and also of the first generation college student community. You'll hear about their stories, what happens on their campuses, and how they felt supported. Without further ado, let's meet our first guest. We begin today's episode on the LGBTQ plus experience for first gens with our first guest, Omar. Hi, Omar. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. So, Omar, before we get into um, the topic that we're here to discuss today, which is the LGBTQ plus experience as it pertains to the first generation college experience, I'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, of course. So, hello, everyone. Um, My name is Omar Medina. I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm currently a student at Santa Clara University, double majoring in communications and Spanish. And Omar, you are a first-generation college student, which is super exciting here on the How to College podcast. And, you know, I'm always curious, When did you first learn that you were a first-generation college student, and how did realizing that make you feel? Oh my goodness. I think it was either my freshman or sophomore year of high school. I went to a college prep high school, and a majority of students there were first-gen college students, but then also a good chunk were also first-gen high school students. So they were the first in their family to even graduate from high school, which that on its own was just fantastic. But yeah, it, it was super interesting to hear because I had never really asked my mom about her educational experience. She is from Mexico. So I, you know, there's just a completely different education system out there. And I never really knew because you know, with the different words that are thrown around in English and Spanish, you know, gets lost in translation. So after asking her about it, I found out that she had only completed high school. She never went to college. And when I first found out about that, I was a little sad. Also, at the same time, I felt very empowered because I felt like I could, you know, go farther and just like be able to do more with life and hopefully maybe like afterwards be able to support her like she's done so much for me and I you know just really appreciate everything she's done and you know want to give back to her in that way. Yeah well that's so cool. So today we're here to talk about LGBTQ plus and really that identity or that experience and also as it pertains to being a first generation college student. And to get started if you wouldn't mind sharing, how do you identify in relation to the LGBTQ plus community? But yes, I identify as bisexual. My journey into coming to that kind of realization and that acceptance also began in high school. I never really knew what LGBTQ was until like middle school, high school. I did find out, especially about being bisexual, that there was just like a lot of things that kind of clicked into place for me, just like in terms of attraction to other people. But also with that being said, my high school, while being college prep, was also like the Catholic Jesuit high school. So we were 
definitely taught some of those like religious ideals and yeah, like just the LGBTQ community was not really at the forefront. That is to say, like a lot of my classmates and a lot of my teachers were definitely accepting and uh, tried to be inclusive of everyone. But yeah, like it just wasn't a big focus. So when I finally came to college, I was actually, or I currently am an out-of-state student since I'm originally from uh, Colorado. I, I feel like that just gave me the freedom to kind of just become a new person or just become more of who I felt like I was. Um, definitely at home with, again, just those those kind of religious ideals and cultural ideals. It, it's difficult for sure to just kind of be become who you are, especially when it does go a little bit against, you know, everything that you've been taught. So yeah, honestly, it was a lot of self-research. I definitely felt a lot more comfortable kind of being away from a lot of what I knew. I feel like that just gave me the freedom to, you know, investigate and just, you know, feel more comfortable with saying it. So I had a very interesting journey in terms of all of that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's a very relatable story as well for so many. You know, sometimes be it the school that you go to or the family you grew up in or the religious affiliation potentially that you grew up in, sometimes there is that sense of, is this even allowed or is, does this align with certain norms or, you know, traditions or values that your family holds? So I'm glad that you were able to find some sense of that, you know, the exploration and the community at your college, even beyond the high school. So, you know, one of the most common things I think when working or when, you know, meeting and interacting and working with LGBTQ plus students is finding support, right? So like you said, you know, sometimes at school or in family, you might not have received some of that support. But I'm interested, who did you go to when discussing things like gender or sexuality? And in what days did in what ways did they support or mentor you along the way? Yes, definitely. I would definitely have to say just a lot of friends I made, especially in college. And then also like my my core friend group from high school, for sure. Because a few of my friends, especially in college, are also part of the LGBTQ community. So just like kind of being able to talk openly about it was just very helpful in general. But we also have a, we, we call it the Rainbow Resource Center. It's our LGBTQ just like center on campus. And they host lots of different events. They have like a little space that students are always welcome to go into. And just kind of being able to be in those spaces made me just feel so much more supported because it it just showed me that there are communities and there are spaces for, you know, people in the LGBTQ community. Again, just like in high school and just growing up, that wasn't at the forefront. It's just like it definitely felt like uh, kind of a taboo topic. So just having those those people in my life absolutely were just in, extremely beneficial for for just kind of accepting that side. Yeah, and that that peer you mentioned some of your friends who also identify as LGBTQ, did they have the did they have any shared experiences with you or similarities in kind of their journey and their um, identity? For sure, most of them were like for, for most of them, they were also kind of living away from home. And I feel like for all of us, that kind of came with an opportunity to not really like 
reshape ourselves, but maybe just like be more comfortable with who we are for sure. Because a lot of us, you know, just high school was an interesting experience, I think, for so many people. And I, I think there's just such a shift entering college in terms of that, especially if, you know, again, like me going out of state, I'm literally just entering a space that I have never really known. It's just, it's a chance to start anew, in my opinion. So I feel like for a lot of us, we all kind of just shared that in terms of, you know, becoming who we really are. Going to college for first generation students, you know, obviously it's education, education attainment, and, you know, it can open up a lot of doors career wise, but also a, a common experience for a lot of first gens when going to college is leaving the nest, right? So leaving mm-hmm. home and, and going out of state or going across the state or, you know, even, you know, if, even if they live close by, but maybe they're living on campus. So it's interesting how kind of leaving the home can kind of lead to a sense of, I don't know how you would describe it, maybe like self-discovery or self-reflection and independence in that way. Would you kind of agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely self-discovery and independence by far. Yes. Like even outside of, you know, just doing a bunch of learning in in terms of like my sexuality, there's also just like, I learned that like, I I learned how to cook for the first time and I learned how to like truly do my laundry on my own for the first time. So yeah, there's just like a lot of learning involved, I feel, outside of just like your academic classes and just varying aspects of life. And, you know, we've talked about the the role that your friends played and and really accepting you and, and, and empowering you and building that community. But I'm curious, were your parents supportive of you through both, you know, the coming out process and also the process and the aspirations of going to college? This one is a little bit of a a tough one, just in terms of like different tone. Because so growing up, it's just been me and my mom and my dad has never really been in the picture. So because of that, I'm just very, very close with my mom. I, I think I talked a little bit earlier, just like she's done so much for me up till now. Unfortunately, when I first came out to her, it was definitely negative. I think there was like a little bit of just miscommunication in general and in, in terms of cultural differences as, as well, just lots of stuff. Because I think, firstly, she had it confused with polyamory. So instead of it being like, oh, I'm attracted to both men and women, it's like, oh, I will be like dating both at the same time. When in reality, it's, it's not really that. And then also, again, just like cultural differences, being being Hispanic, being Mexican-American, there is a big religious um, just culture in general. So again, I already talked about it, but just religion has been a big part of my life. Um, I still consider myself to be a Catholic, um, although maybe not in practice. Uh, but yeah, like that was a lot of her reasoning for not really wanting to accept that. And it really hurt because it's like, this is my, this is the person I trust like above everything. And they're like straight up denying a part of my identity. Like what is up with that, you know? But yeah, so in, in terms of, you know, me coming out, that was not, not a fun experience <laughs> to say the least. But in terms of college, my mom has been supportive of, of that in so many ways, especially within the past year with the, the pandemic. 
pandemic and online classes, I have definitely just had my fair share of failures for the first time in a while in terms of academics. And it's just, it has taken a toll on my mental health when my mom has been very supportive throughout all of that, you know, so it's just... It's been an interesting time just kind of navigating with my mom's support in these different aspects of my life, you know? So I know we talked about your mom was very supportive of you going to college and, you know, you went to a college prep high school where that was kind of a lot of the emphasis. So, I'm, you know, I'm curious if you can think back of senior year of high school or, you know, maybe junior year of high school. In terms of your post-secondary plans, what options were you considering and what were some of your goals about going to college? I definitely wanted to go out of state. Like, that was by far my biggest goal. I had, of course, applied to a few schools within state. Um, They were, of course, a little bit farther, maybe like 30, 40 minutes away from home. But yeah, definitely my goal by far was to kind of get out of Colorado, see see new places and stuff like that. And interestingly enough, again, I, I mentioned I went to a Jesuit high school. I also applied to a lot of Jesuit universities. They're, you know, again, the my relationship with religion has been an interesting one, but I feel like the Jesuit and their kind of take on education is much more open-minded than what I was expecting. So for Santa Clara University, like only, I believe only like 50% of our students are actually Catholic, the other 50%, you know, ranging in in other religions. So yeah, I, I definitely wanted that. So of course, my first choice was Santa Clara University, just because, you know, being located in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of job opportunities, especially in the tech industry. And that for me was just like really big because I was kind of also going to college for, you know, the ability to get a good job afterwards. I had also applied to Seattle University in Seattle, Washington, uh, Fordham University in New York City, and Fairfield University in Connecticut. So really, it was just a gigantic mishmash of Jesuit universities out of state. And yeah, honestly, just that that was one thing I really wanted was kind of continuing that Jesuit education, but being outside and like having new experiences. And ultimately, I chose Santa Clara University for, I mean, the biggest reason, of course, was financial aid. They were the school that gave me the most, the most financial aid out of all of the ones I applied to. But also the LEAD Scholars Program. So Santa Clara has what is called the LEAD Scholars Program, and that is our first-generation student support network. And there's just a variety of, you know, different programs and just different ways that, you know, LEAD is able to support first-gen students. I've met so many fantastic people through there. I've been connected with so many resources on campus that I would not have known about uh, otherwise. So yeah, honestly, that just kind of solidified the, uh, the decision for me. Awesome. You know, I'm curious, in what ways do you think it's different for, you know, an LGBTQ plus student as opposed to another student? How different is that experience in terms of applying to college? Do you think there's a different experience experience there for LGBTQ plus students? Absolutely. I think especially with college, one of the biggest things is like the choice of, first of all, like where you want to apply and then also where you ultimately want to go to school. Because it like in comparison to, you know, at the time of senior year, it will be a big chunk of your life. Like four years is no joke. I, uh, I'm i like, I know it goes by fast. I'm already finishing up my second year of college, but it, it does, you know, it does feel like a long time also 
looking back. So I think one big thing is definitely just like finding a place that you will feel accepted, um, especially if you are, you know, very comfortable and very outspoken in who you are. It is of the utmost importance to find some place where you will be accepted. So if it is, you know, I, I can definitely see why there would be a lot of hesitancy from st- you know, LGBTQ students in applying to a religious school because, you know, just kind of historically religion has not been very friendly to the LGBTQ community. Um, So, you know, that will definitely affect my decision. You know, if I was, you know, more comfortable and I kind of knew the history of a certain college, I would just be like, nope, never even going to think about applying to that school. But yeah, no, I definitely think just like being able to find somewhere where you will be comfortable and where you will be accepted is, you know, a big, it's going to be a big factor in in your decision, I think. Absolutely. And I love that you, you really focused on the acceptance piece because, and trust me, we're not talking about being accepted to the college. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about being accepted socially at the college. And, you know, there are campuses of various religious ranges. There are campuses of, of very different political ranges and you know, there's there. I, I love to use this with my students. There's like the pride index that highlights very inclusive pro LGBTQ plus students of college campuses. You know, they rank the colleges of who are the most supportive campuses out there. And I always say that if there's a list of the most supportive campuses, that means unfortunately there probably aren't some <laughs> that mm-hmm. are, you know, there probably are some that honestly aren't aren't super, super supportive. So, you know, for LGBTQ plus students, it's it's not just about getting in academically, but it's about can I live here comfortably and feel comfortable being who I am in the place that this is. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because there's kind of that second level of acceptance outside of just getting into the to the school itself. So speaking of acceptance and feeling a part of the campus community, looking back at your experience at Santa Clara thus far, when you first started, did you have any reluctance or nerves around acclimating to college life or fitting in on campus, either as a first gen student or as a member of the LGBTQ plus community? Ooh, that is a fantastic question. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. In in terms of like having no trouble acclimating, again, I I also just kind of keep coming back to this, but it's just like a new beginning, at least for me. So I was very excited to try a lot of, you know, just new things, new activities, meet new people. So I honestly, like we at our like club fair at the beginning of the school year, I went to so many different like tables I signed up for so many of like the email newsletters and stuff like that, just to kind of be like up to date with everything. There was, you know, chess club, there was a Harry Potter club, there was a book club, there's a salsa dancing club, there is literally a Smash Brothers club at my campus. There's just so many things. And especially just like things that I was even remotely interested in. I was like, all right, bet, like I'm, sign me up. I want to learn more. I want to be involved. That of course came with the challenge of like, I can't do everything. (laughs) That's not humanly possible. So it was like having to to pick and choose in terms of that. But, But there was also some reluctance because, you know, social anxiety is no joke. 
I, I've met a lot of people and a lot of my friends who are like, I don't want to go to things alone because there's always that like fear of judgment. I feel like especially, you know, beginning your college experience, you feel like once you commit to something, you have to like fully commit to something. Whereas in reality, you know, in my experience, a lot of different clubs, there's some people who go to the first meeting and then and never again, you know. Um, so for me also, there was a little bit of that reluctance, you know, after the excitement had worn off and it's just like do I really want to do this like will I feel you know happy or or some sort of fulfillment if I keep going to this and sometimes the answer is no whether that's like the people you meet there or you know just something like the vibes are are off about you know a certain group or a certain club like you you can absolutely drop that so it's definitely interesting just in terms of that regard in terms of entering and acclimating to to college and that kind of new community uh yeah for sure yeah and you know like you said, you you saw it as a fresh start. The nice thing about fresh starts is that the reaction and the interaction could be better than your previous, you know, um, community. But there's also that sense of the unknown. <laughs> so sometimes, even if we didn't feel as as accepted or as a part of the community in our previous community, we at least expected that we knew it. But when you're going into those new scenarios, you know, there's the possibility for greater things, but there's also that that unexpectedness, you know, that can kind of bring some, some anxiety, as you mentioned. So thank you so much for sharing that. You know, in terms of social acceptance and you know, fitting in on the campus community, you know, I'd love to also know in what ways do you think your college has made you or maybe just made other members of the LGBTQ plus community on your campus? How have they made you feel comfortable or safe on campus? You know, SCU is a predominantly white institution. So, you know, majority of students are white. And so a lot of students of color on campus don't always feel safe. They don't always feel comfortable. And and the school, you know, I I do hate to speak bad about my school, but it has been a very troublesome journey trying to get the school to make students feel more comfortable. And especially, you know, also for LGBTQ plus students, we are definitely a smaller population on campus. So while we do have the, again, the Rainbow Resource Center, fantastic place, I, I definitely know that there has been some reluctance from other students to kind of be fully out or be fully themselves with other people. And just sometimes the, the sad story is, is, you know, the school doesn't always do its best to make students feel comfortable. It sometimes does fall onto the students to, you know, make that change possible. And I know also that, you know, SEU is not an isolated, you know, institution in this. I know there are colleges all across the U.S. that run into all of these different problems. So, yeah, I don't know that I have a good, like, positive answer for this one, unfortunately. Yeah, well, no. Well, thank you for sharing. Well, continuing on, um, this is kind of just an overarching question, but I'm curious, um, how did being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, how did that shape your identity as a college student and even as a first generation college student? I definitely think the biggest thing, I, I don't know if this would fall under identity, but it just like kind of made me more aware and more conscious about, you know, the different experiences. So, 
you know, like putting pronouns um, before your name. Like I have now done that in like my email signature. I've done that on my LinkedIn. I've done that on um, on like my Zoom name, you know, when that pops up. Um, and, you know, just for one, you know, made me more aware of that. And then I think, I, I don't know if like as a college student, but like as a professional, you know, now that I'm starting to look a little bit towards, you know, what is my career going to be? I have just kind of started looking at different like diversity initiatives. There are a lot of companies who, you know, want to be more, you know, like racially diverse. So they will host a lot of different, you know, maybe conferences and stuff like that. But then I've also seen um, recently there has been like a large kind of uptick of also like LGBTQ diversity within companies, which I think is fantastic. And I have kind of started looking at those. And it's mainly just like a lot of panels as well, kind of talking about their experiences as a professional. And yeah, honestly, it, it makes me a little, a little nervous because sometimes the experiences are not the most positive but then it also just gives me hope like knowing you know more and more people are um, or sorry more and more people in the lgbtq community are you know entering the workplace and they are becoming successful and having like good leadership positions so that definitely gives me a lot of hope for the future but yeah just kind of all, all of that just being more aware and kind of looking for different opportunities is what i would say is the the biggest thing right now yeah that's great. And, you know, when I'm working with, especially my first gen students, you know, I talk about how, and this definitely relates with, you know, members of the LGBTQ plus community, students of color. But, you know, I talk with my first gen students about, you know, it can be pressure going and doing something for the first time or going into a space that hasn't always been accepting or inclusive of a, of a specific group. And there can be a lot of pressure, you know, when entering those spaces. But I always tell them, you know, turn that pressure into power, you know, that may, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that you're, you're the fact fact that you're a first generation student or the fact that you are gay or the fact that you are you know a member of the Latinx community like that is kind of like your superpower and you have can have a lot of impact and influence you know you mentioned companies are striving towards equity and racial diversity you know and and even you know LGBTQ plus diversity as you mentioned so you can have a lot of impact in that way. So that's awesome. And actually leads to my next question. This is a perfect segue. What hopes do you have for the LGBTQ plus community when it comes to, you know, the workforce or even, you know, the world of higher education in the future? Oh, that's another fantastic question. Definitely. I've actually thought about this um, before, but just kind of amplifying your own voice. Again, for me, my, my journey into like coming out and everything has been a bit of a long one. It, it definitely took like over a year. It's definitely not a quick, you know, like, oh, like you just wake up one day and suddenly it's like, oh, I'm bi. Okay. Um, this is my life now. Like, no, because there's a lot of fears involved, you know, again, just going back to acceptance. The main reason a lot of, you know, people, especially young people that don't come out is because they are afraid of how they will be perceived, how they will be judged. I know in a lot of extreme cases, especially, um, students have been, you know, kicked out of their homes for being part of the LGBTQ community. So honestly, I feel like my biggest hope is that we will one day come to a time where we are no longer afraid to, you know, be loud and proud about, you know, who you are, Um, especially, you know, being first gen, there's also a lot of 
you know, fear of judgment, you know, from peers, from, uh, from, you know, your professors for a variety of different reasons um, that I could feel could be its own episode. But yeah, honestly, that that's just my biggest hope is that, you know, people will no longer be afraid to, to be who they are, um, and to be who they are, you know, 100% um, without, yeah, without fear of judgment. That's so true. Like when you finally feel accepted, or free of the fear you can be yourself and that's what we all we all want to do you know we don't want to be we don't want to necessarily be successful not being ourselves you know we want to be our true authentic selves and and find success in that way so i think it's i think it's valuable that you that you've hit upon that and omar to close any final words of wisdom or advice you would like to share with our first generation audience honestly yeah the biggest thing is just that you are not alone i recently found out that like more students than ever like we currently have the highest percentage of like first gen students right now so like more and more students are first generation and i just think that's awesome so like in your struggles you are never alone i honestly thought that for the longest time um like college will definitely come with its own set of challenges but you know with the amount of students that there are out there there is at least one other person maybe you've talked to them maybe they're your friend maybe they're your classmate maybe they are someone who you don't even know but is on the same college campus um there is always going to be someone who is feeling the same way or has felt the same way uh and so yeah honestly just the biggest thing is it might be hard it might be difficult but keep Keep going. You will get through it. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, honestly, it's, it's big. Well, thank you again, Omar, for joining me today. We greatly appreciate you sharing your experiences with our audience, and it'll certainly be valuable to them as they learn how to college. Yeah, thank you for having me. We conclude today's episode on the LGBTQ plus experience of first gens, speaking to a college graduate, Rudy. Hi, Rudy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. We greatly appreciate you being here to share your experiences and your stories with our first gen audience. And thank you for the invitation. I'm very excited to be here today. So, Rudy, as I just mentioned, today's topic is the LGBTQ plus experience of being a first-generation college student. However, before we get started with that topic, I'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Well, hi, my name is Rudy Aguilar. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. I was born in Central California in a small town called Porterville. However, I grew up up north, call it the deep north, it's past Sacramento, and another small town called Corning, California, where I finished high school before I moved to Southern California here in Orange County to go to school at Cal State Fullerton. Awesome. And Rudy, I know that you are a first-generation college student. When did you first learn you were a first-generation college student, and how did that make you feel? I was actually in middle school. I remember being in the cafeteria, and my seventh-grade English teacher at the time had came up to me and asked me if I went, wanted to sign up for AVID. I didn't know what AVID was. I was a little confused what she meant by first-generation. And so she explained to me what it was, and basically she 
So that if my parents didn't have a degree, then I would be considered first generation. So that kind of sparked my interest in that identity and in that topic. And it was funny because I, I think initially I felt really prideful. There was this feeling of like, oh, like I'm the first to be on this path to go to college. But I kind of find it funny now because when I think back, I don't think I realized really what that meant in regards to the experience that I was going to have and some of the barriers I was going to face as a first gen student. So it was, I think, again, initially just kind of an exciting feeling and also a feeling of just curiosity overall. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rudy. So I wanted to start talking about the topic for today, which is really the experience of LGBTQ plus first gens. As we've talked about with our guests, I think there's some shared experiences, but also some different experiences. But to get started, I'd love to ask if you don't mind sharing, how do you identify in relation to the LGBTQ plus community? I identify as a queer man. Initially, I identified as straight, but then over time, that identity shifted. You know, I I came out as bisexual to kind of help my mom be a little bit more accepting of me being into men, and then over time, just fully accepting that I was I was gay. But then again, over time, as I was able to have the opportunity to learn about gender and sexuality through a lot of my classes and just like student discussion, I was more geared towards the identity of being queer than just gay. And do you remember like how or when like that identity came about or began to form in your mind? When I was a sophomore in college, I took a sociology class that was focused on gender and sexuality. And it was the first time I had had deep conversation around the idea of gender and sexuality being on a spectrum. And so through that conversation, it forced me to reflect my own identity and kind of where I felt like I was at. And so I don't identify as trans, but I don't necessarily want to identify as just a gay man. I feel like that's also very limiting. From my personal experience, I've come to see that, you know, sometimes when we're just focused on the gay aspect, we don't take into consideration everything else that may come with the LGBTQ community in regards to gender expression and just the fluidity that one may have in the ways that they're able to express themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that you referenced, you know, we, we've been talking about identity and, you know, gender and sexuality. And those, those are such important topics and those are such important things to think about. Looking back, when you discussed topics like gender or discussed topics like sexuality, who did you go to when you were discussing topics like that? I think initially I didn't really have these conversations with anyone else besides the other students in class. And even my first two years of college, I really didn't know who I could trust to be an ally because, you know, I grew up in a small town. So for me, I always assumed everybody was straight. I thought being gay or queer was like a rare thing. I didn't realize that there was a lot, actually a lot of queer people in the world. And so it took me some time, but as I started taking more classes uh, in ethnic studies and sociology, I started to see that topics of, of queerness, of sexuality and gender were brought up in different ways, whether it was in a literature ethnic studies class or it was a sociology class about family. So for me, a lot of the times it was just kind of, I think, building that trust with professors or even staff on campus. And then as I was able to start talking about my experiences, you know, sometimes we would kind of dive into a little bit about how my sexuality may have played a role or even how my sexuality gave me a different lens 
or a different perspective on things. That's great. And, you know, you've mentioned, you know, classmates and professors and having some of those deeper conversations. Did you ever feel or experience any sort of like mentorship? Like, do you think that was kind of one thing they lended to you in these moments? Yeah. So as I entered my second year, because my first year was really wrapped up in dorm life. And the majority of my friends were straight women. But then when I entered my second year, I started to get more involved and I found myself to be more confident too. So as I became more comfortable in my queer identity, I also became more comfortable in my ability as a student. And so I started to become very outspoken, which then led to sometimes me being what I felt was misunderstood, maybe seen as overdramatic or too caring, or in some ways, maybe just a little too wrapped up in whatever discussion we were having. But, you know, I was able to talk to some of these professors and some of the staff folks. So for example, example, my former supervisor who was a coordinator of the LGBTQ center, he would talk to me and he would help me process my feelings or process these experiences that I was having as a queer person of color on campus when I would be talking to majority straight students or majority white students, depending on the setting. Wow, I'm just blown away by your statement of finding a better concept of who I am made me a better student. That's that's amazing. And it kind of aligns with what I talked about with the previous guest of when you can be yourself authentically, that is where you can be your best self. So that's great that you had some of those mentors on campus, you know, those professors and the, the colleague over there at the, um, you mentioned the LGBTQ plus center. That's great that they were able to assist you and really impact you in, in, in those ways. Yeah. And, and just to add on, if that's okay, I really wanted to make it a point that community really is important, you know, especially as first gen students. It's it's really easy to feel lost. It's really easy to feel like imposter syndrome or, you know, do I belong here? But when you find other students that have experiences that are in some ways parallel or similar to yours, it definitely gives you that. It gives you, it, it changes that your perspective, right? You're like, I'm not in this alone, right? We're here to succeed together. And so finding that community is definitely what's going to help, I think, any first-gen student in being successful on campus. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with you. I'd love to shift focus to your family. And I'm curious, again, if you don't mind sharing, were your parents supportive of you through both the coming out process, but also the college process, you know, aspiring to go to college as a as a first gen student? They're child immigrants. So they're that 1.5 gen. You know, they have the opportunity to go to middle school and high school here. Actually, my dad, he's been here most of his life. He, he came here when he was two. So for them, college was always the goal for me as the oldest child, they were always like, you're going to go to college, you know, you're going to be successful. And so that was embedded in my head at a very young age. So that was me attending college. I think they have always been supportive in terms of going to, you know, joining Avid in eighth grade, doing the Upward Bound program in Santa Cruz. They were supportive of that. You know, they were supportive of me going to Fresno State. They had like a symposium for like first generation students that I had I had the opportunity to attend. So my parents in terms of college have always been, you know, right behind me. Now, when it came to my sexuality, I actually feel like I've also been pretty lucky. Initially, my mom wasn't fully on board, but I did get initial reassurance that I was still loved and wanted in my family. But there was still some, I would say, barriers that they had to overcome to come to a full acceptance because I believe that their initial acceptance was conditional. A lot of things like, 
you know, well, let's just not tell anybody or let's just keep it a secret or, you know, we're not ready for you to bring anybody home. So it took a couple of years, I think, for them to come around fully. But for the most part, up until now, they've been pretty supportive. I I don't think in any ways have they demonized me. I think a lot of it had to come with their own internal homophobia that they had to work through to be able to fully accept and love me as their queer child. Do you remember the moment you you talked about their acceptance kind of after a couple years changed because at the beginning it was very conditional you know there were terms to the agreement shall we say but do you remember the moment that you feel like it shifted and like how that made you feel i think the moment i felt like it shifted i think it was in between my i'm gonna say between my third and fourth year my fourth and fifth year because i did do five years for college so i did a super senior year so i can't really recall because i feel like the last two years just feel like one big year but my dad wasn't home i believe he was in iraq at the time and my mom asked me if I was going to bring someone home one day soon, you know, and if I was planning to have kids. And at this point, I think I was already like 22. And I kind of sat there in shock because we had never really had a conversation about me bringing anybody home. In fact, the last time we had talked about it, they weren't ready for me to bring anyone home. So I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, they've taken that step forward. You know, like I was surprisingly shocked. Not that I was ready to bring anyone home or get married. I was, you know, I I still, even now at 25, still feel very young, but I was, you know, it was that moment where I realized I was like, I am so lucky to have my parents accept me the way that they do because I know not all LGBTQ folks have had that same experience. So for me, that conversation, I think, was that moment that you're asking. It was that moment where I was like, you know, I, I felt that that 100% acceptance and that 100% love. Yeah, and Rudy, I, I don't know if you would feel the same way, but I feel like as members of the LGBT community, we sometimes, we pick up on those little things. Like, you know, at first it was, you know, let's keep it secret. You know, you're not going to bring anyone home. And then it changes to, well, are you going to bring anyone home? And like that in a way feels like a form of acceptance or a form of understanding. And so, you know, sometimes we pick up on those little things of it's no longer where it first was. We've, We've made some progress in that area. Looking back at your post secondary goals, so your, your, plans for after high school. Just to take a little quick detour here, what were some of your options that you were considering for after high school? And what were some of your goals? Initially, well, as a kid, I'm going to say from maybe ages like 9 to 17 before I came to Cal State Fullerton, I was really into math and science. And I used to like to build things. So I used to play Roller Coaster Tycoon a lot because I liked that you could like build a whole theme park. But then I used to also build like those Connect toy sets. I don't know if you recall or anyone listening recalls, but they're like the, the, the toy set. They're kind of like Legos and you could build like a Ferris wheel. You could build a roller coaster. You could build some little like theme park ride. So I was really into the into like the building stuff and then the math and science stuff in school. So I really thought I was going to be an engineer. That was my goal. I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to build buildings. I'm going to build rides. Like that was like, that was my goal. That was my dream. That's what I focused on. Even that upward bound program was, was a math science upward bound program. And I always felt like math and science was always my strong suit uh, as a as a K through 12 student. So I think for me, it was, just, but then when it came to finding a school, there was really no specific school. I think I just wanted to make sure that they had the major in engineering, but I think part of that first generation struggle is you don't really know what you're looking for. You just know that you want to go to school. I was like, I just got to get in somewhere. Whether it was going to be Chico State, UC Davis, UCLA, Berkeley, San Diego State. I just needed to get into school. I didn't care where. And so for me, I think I just... 
I didn't do enough research to really figure out, yes, this is the number one school I want to go to. Right. And I, you put it perfectly. You know, I used this quote kind of with some of my first gen students. How do you know what to look for when you don't even know what you're looking for? Right. So if you've never had experience with college, you know, even asking a first gen student, you know, what do you prefer? Big school, small school? Like, they won't know technically because they've not experienced those atmospheres and those settings. So, nor has their family. So, I think that the exploration, your experience with exploration with colleges is a very relatable one. And it's one that I think a lot of students, first gen students, have, have gone through. So, you know, generally speaking, or specifically to your experiences, in what ways do you think applying to college is different for LGBTQ? plus students than it is for, let's say, the average heterosexual student. How do you think that process might differ for those students? I think there just may be seeds of fear, seeds of doubt, depending on what school you're going to. So for example, there was some great, you know, as a, as a junior, I think a senior, I filled up this like survey thing. So I was getting all these pamphlets from like different schools across the country. And some of the schools were private schools, but I had known that I didn't really want to go to a private school, especially if it was like a religious school. Because I already knew that I was going to struggle with my sexuality even more if I went to a school like that. Not to say that those schools are bad. Sometimes those schools don't always have maybe all the resources. Or at least I'm assuming they didn't have all the resources that I would have needed as a queer student of color. So for me, it was, I think, just making sure again that I was going to have the opportunity to find community and find support as a queer student. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, when, when working with my LGBTQ plus students, you know, I use a lot of different resources. I mentioned this in the last interview, but, you know, I love using the Pride Index where, you know, recaps, you know, college campuses nationwide and kind of how inclusive are they? How supportive are they? You know, schools like the University of Louisville, they have a whole LGBTQ plus visit program that which is awesome i mean specifically for um, the queer community so that is definitely something to look for where are you going to feel comfortable where am i going to feel supported you know looking back at entering college both as a first gen student and as an lgbtq plus member and student did you have any reluctance or nerves around acclimating to college life or you know fitting in on campus that you can remember Actually, yeah, I did. I don't think as a queer student, but more just as a student from a small town. My high school, you know, they weren't a bad high school. I think for the most part, they, you know, they did well in preparing me as much as they could for for the university life. But I think because I was from a small town, I had this assumption that students that came from places like, you know, the Bay Area or LA, they were given more resources or even more opportunities to better prepare for college. So I came in feeling like I was maybe not as smart as other students. You know, we didn't have a lot of AP options at other schools. Uh, we didn't have a lot of college-bound programs, actually. The AVID program never got started at high school because it was seen as exclusionary, for lack of better terms. And so for me, it was a lot of, you know, well, am I going to be as smart as these students? Or, you know, some of these students went to charter schools that were focused on STEM, you know, and I was coming in already feeling nervous and thinking, like, how am I going to, in some ways, compete, right, or be successful like these other students? So that was definitely my biggest, I think, anxiety around starting campus. And then I also questioned my high school education. I was like, is this sufficient enough? 
compared to other high schools across the state or across the country. So talking about acclimating to college life and feeling a part of the community and feeling like you belonged there, both as first gen and as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, what are some ways that you feel like your college campus, they made you feel safe or comfortable on campus? So as a first-gen student, I think I had the opportunity to do what they call like the first-year experience. I think different universities have some type of first-year experience program. So that was very helpful because we had to take a, what they called it University 100, and it was just a class that we were able to take to kind of help us understand where to access resources on campus, what type of resources we have, the importance of getting involved. So I think it was very informative and very helpful in my initial start and just kind of connecting with the professor who was randomly from psychology but wanted to be part of the program because she felt it was important for first-year students to get connected and have a good start. You know, with her, I was also able to kind of open up to her and talk to her about even my sexuality and her making me feel comforted in her office hours and reassuring me that she was there for me. And then just across campus, when I was, you know, I would go to class, I would see events like they would have flyers because they were going to have a drag show, you know, or they were going to have a queer prom. Um, Initially, my first two years, I was actually really shy and didn't want to participate in those events. But it felt nice knowing that they were happening because I knew that there was other queer students on campus. But over time, as I got became more involved on campus, I then started to see how these events happened. And a lot of them happened because student government had a budget that they got from our student fees. And so we were able to request or propose for funding to create any type of event that was around the LGBTQ community. So that was cool because I was like, oh, so this funding is open to any student. It doesn't matter their identity, and it could be any type of event, anything from a religious event, a conservative event, to maybe an event that's, you know, about the queer community or something about a, a culture and ethnicity. So that, I think, is what made me feel more safe, is knowing that those resources were there and that money was there for us to be able to celebrate ourselves and, and our own authentic identity. It's also really cool to hear about all the things that have gone on on your campus. You know, when they're promoting the things like the LGBTQ plus programs or the queer prom or the various, you know, they might have guest speakers or something. Did your campus promote those, you know, widely and actively across the campus? Or did you kind of have to seek out that information? It changed over time. So I started college fall of 2013, which I feel like we were still fighting for same-sex equality at the time, right? So I feel that by the time I graduated in 2018, the amount of attention and visibility had changed. Now that might be biased, because I had become more involved on campus over time. But I, as of my first two years, didn't see it as much as I saw it my last three years. As the university started to build billboards or they had like those, I don't know what they're called, but they're like those electronic signs that kind of show different things that were happening on campus and they like switch. I was able to see more promotion of just, of not just like LGBTQ events, but even like the LGBTQ center and knowing that that existed. And then they ended up even moving the center. So now it's like in the central part of campus, which is great because it also provides more visibility, I think, for our community. That's awesome that, you know, you said the location kind of shifted to be more centralized and it sounds like they actively promoted stuff. And yeah, what a great time to go to college, right? Like you kind of experienced a lot of that, a a lot of the progress being made, you know, you mentioned marriage equality, but that was probably such an interesting time to be an LGBTQ plus student on a college campus and kind of seeing that growth in terms of, you know, supports and representation. And if I could just add on to through the 
middle of my college experience, there was, you know, a lot of political climate that had like increased. And so obviously there was two sides to everything. And I just remember the more negative rhetoric or homophobic rhetoric was coming out, the more pushback I was seeing from not just students, but the campus of pushing for inclusiveness, of pushing for some form of acceptance, right? It wasn't always just, it's never like the university was like, okay, we're going to like lean on one side or the other, but providing that space for us to exist safely and, you know, reassuring that we were going to be celebrated no matter what the rhetoric was going to be maybe outside the university. Yeah. And Rudy, I think sometimes colleges or organizations don't even understand the impact, but I've seen that a lot too. And, you know, a college simply coming out against hateful rhetoric or exclusion of any kind or discrimination or hate speech of any kind, simply, you know, making a statement and coming out vehemently against it means so much to communities like ours, right? Like that makes you feel like you're in a place where they do support you. Obviously, they have programs and they, you know, they might have stickers on the doors of advisors, you know, pride zones and, you know, safe spaces. But when campuses are not afraid to make those sort of statements, I think it matters a lot to those that are that are marginalized and those that are being impacted by those comments and, and actions. So this is kind of a, a bigger question, but how do you think being a member of the LGBTQ plus community has impacted or shaped your identity as, you know, a college student going back or even as a professional now? So I always saw my experience as a queer student to be a little bit more, I guess you could say unique in just the way that I saw things. It could be from a conversation in class. So I remember one conversation was brought up about, you know, the family structure and, you know, how machismo played a big role in the family structure. And this was, sorry, for an ethnic studies class. And I remember bringing in a perspective that was a little different just because in my household, machismo never really attached to me or was never a big focal point for me to prove my masculinity or identity as a man. So I think those conversations always kind of kind of opened up students mind or kind of gave them a different reality or a different perspective. And then I also felt too that whenever like things would happen in the world. So for example, when Pulse happened in 2016, the shooting in, in Orlando, Florida at those uh, gay nightclubs, that also gave me a different perspective because there was a lot of conversation about mass shootings, mass shootings, but nobody was talking about how it was a hate crime, right? Towards not just the Latinx, but the LGBTQ community. So I think as a student, it just, it constantly always made me feel like I had this for lack of better terms, again, just unique perspective. And something I always felt like I always had something different to bring to the table. I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of members of the LGBTQ plus community grew up thinking that their sexuality or their gender might be seen as a negative or might be a weakness. But I really believe that our gender and our sexuality and being a member of this amazing group, it's actually our strength. It, it is, is who we are as a person and being our authentic selves each and every day. And, and that kind of leads me to my next question. What hopes do you have of the LGBT plus community when it comes to the world of work or the world of higher education? What hopes do you have for our community in, in those arenas? As we start to continue to push for, you know, not just gay rights, but trans rights, I hope that there is, well, for one, there's a level of humanization. I think one of my biggest frustration is that 
people think I'm always look as a queer person in, or as queer people, we're looking for acceptance. I'm one to be like, I understand if your religion or the way you grew up maybe doesn't allow you to fully understand or accept me as a queer person or as a member of the LGBTQ community. But you can still humanize me and understand that I'm a person and that I deserve respect and dignity. So that is my hope, I think, in just the larger world of education, but also the professional working world. Because when I come and sit down, because I will have a seat at the table, I want people to understand that I too bring ideas and I too bring insights. And it's not always about my sexuality or it's not always about my gender. And there's a huge difference in between tolerance and acceptance. And in some industries, there's a lot of tolerance. It's, there's a lot of, okay, you can coexist or exist with around me. But I think the humanization part, when you see us as human beings, that is the first step towards true, full-blown progress and acceptance. And to close, Rudy, what do you believe are some of the challenges that you think that LGBTQ plus first-gen youth face specifically when it comes to navigating and graduating from college? Do you think those two groups have any shared experiences? I believe that there is. I think my biggest one, and kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, is just learning how to access resources, how to ask for help. That's definitely one because, you know, there could be all of these great resources, but if you don't know how to walk in the room and ask for them, or you don't know how to access them, or you don't know who to email, there's a high chance that it's going to take a long time or maybe never for until the point where you're able to, to actually access those resources. So for example, we'll have students that would come into the Chicano Resource Center or the LGBTQ Center, which I used to work at as a student, and they would come in their third, fourth, or fifth year and be like, I never knew this existed. Well, I never knew where to find this. And then they realize that they love this space and they wish that they would have found it their first year or even their second year. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges because being first gen, a lot of the times there's also a lot of anxiety or maybe even self-doubt, right? There's some fear maybe, or even feelings of lostness or loneliness. So I think that is the most unique experience is just knowing how and where to access resources depending on what you need. Because you may need to access certain resources based on your LGBTQ identity, and you may need to access other resources based on your first gen identity. Also being able to find your group of people, right? So just because there's an LGBTQ center doesn't mean you're going to walk in and find your people. I think also giving yourself that flexibility and opportunity to find people that are like-minded because you can have people that are LGBTQ, but complete that, but they'll think completely different than you do, or they have completely different values. But once you find your people and you find a group of students or peers or a faculty member that you can connect with and you can resonate with, then that anchor to the university will be, you know, It'll, it'll, it'll hold you down enough so that you can stay retained until you graduate. Absolutely. I always say progress does not get made with people working in silos, <laughs> you know, people working by themselves and not really branching out and, and collaborating with different people. Um, there will be amazing people in the LGBTQ plus center, but you might connect with additional people or, or connect with people in different ways. So great. Well, thank you so much, Rudy. Any final, you know, words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share with our first gen audience? Try to step out of your comfort zone and remember that you know more than you think you know, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you so much, Rudy. We greatly appreciate you being here today. Thank you as well, and I appreciate the opportunity to share my story.
Thanks again to today's guests, Omar and Rudy, for sharing their stories and experiences with our audience. And thank you for tuning in to How to College for First Gens. As you probably noticed, the LGBTQ plus community and the first generation college student community both have a lot in common when it comes to going off to college. Both communities see that several students might struggle with wondering how they'll fit in or even assessing their self-worth or self-value, and both communities rely heavily on the support around them. It's important to remember that the work towards inclusion and safe spaces is not up solely to those in the LGBTQ community. It's also up to those around us, including allies. Today's guest mentioned several allies, including educators, parents, family members, and friends who helped them immensely along the way. Even if you're not a member of the LGBTQ plus community, hopefully today's episode inspires you to be a great ally. And for those in the LGBTQ plus community, please know that the How to College First Gen team, as always, supports inclusion and equity and believes that love is love. For more information, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you have any questions or feedback, as we would love to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at howtocollegefirstgen on Instagram and Facebook and htcfirstgen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time.